Nation. Uh, I just wanted to inform you that on this episode for the first 20 minutes, Zach's mic does not work, so you may not be able to hear him very well. Uh, Hopefully you can get through these 20 minutes and enjoy the rest of the episode. It was a great one with Jared Barr uh, on the movie Interstellar, um, and we had a really good time during this one. So despite that, I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Movie Vault. I'm Ben Stanhope. And I'm I'm Zach Lee (laughs) Ward. And I am the Jared Barr. Ooh. Who are you? I'm a guest, guys. Oh, shoot. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Wait, who invited him? I don't know. I <laughs> we did need to call an exterminator. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to start off the intro just by like going, well, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually one of my favorite movies. I've never seen it, actually. Uh, Dazed and Confused. Mm. It, it does not teach you anything about life. It doesn't really have any valuable lessons. There's not really any grand revelations, but it is really cool. And uh, even though I can't endorse the, all the actions, high school partying, you know, not really beneficial to your life, but but for the sake of a movie, I would say it was worth it. Yeah, I mean, also Matthew freaking McConaughey. Yeah, I mean, there's the- we we wouldn't have him without that movie. Um, so today we're actually uh, we are watching. We have already watched a Matthew McConaughey movie. Uh, directed by some some guy named Christopher Nolan, real indie underground uh, artur. Maybe you've heard of him, maybe not. Yeah, um, and it was made on a meager 165 million dollar budget, and only grossed about 700 million dollars. And the movie is, drumroll please, Interstellar, written by Jonathan and Christopher Nolan, music by Hans Zimmer, and watched by Ben just recently. Yes, for the first time. Actually, uh, if you if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, and this is sort of an embarrassing confession. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched it on my phone. No, so. <laughs> it's like the it was, most like visually like like spectacular movies ever made, and you watched it on a tiny screen. Yeah, I know it's embarrassing. Oh. Uh, it was it was mostly for practicality. Um, I just was able to to do two things at once by doing that. Not, like I was riding somewhere in the bus, and so I could just watch it. Um, and I wouldn't have been doing anything useful other than that. Um, and this movie only had a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, which, yeah. what's up with that? I don't know. I was thinking about that because I just saw it a second ago. I feel like sci-fi stuff is usually a hit and miss with some people. I think it's like, out of all the types of genres and movies, I don't know. I feel like it's maybe the least popular. Really? Experience. Yeah. Interesting. That might have something to do with it. Sci-fi I don't know. in general? Yeah. You'd say, well, action would be the top? Yeah. Because it, it's like, it's like conflated with like nerd culture and stuff and like you know you like spaceships what are you what are you a nerd you don't play on the football team what's wrong with you superheroes in their own category because those are definitely top like people love those right now yeah that made nerdism cool though yeah plus they're like like huge actors true so i don't know matthew mcconaughey is not a big actor no (laughs) (laughs) and hathaway what was the what was the first what was that like princess thing with Anne Hathaway like forever ago? What was that? Oh, the Princess Diaries. Oh, I'm uh, I I'm, did I'm not ashamed. I did look at her uh, credits and I was kind of surprised. I'll actually go through all the actors. I have the major films they were in written down. I'm really prepared today, guys. Uh, but another interesting thing is that this movie was made in association with a theoretical physicist named Dr. Kip Thorne, who was a Nobel a Nobel Prize winner in uh, physics. And I think he and uh, and Nolan worked very closely to make this movie. And I think Kip Thorne even actually laid some ground rules and told Nolan, like, you can't do these certain things and you have to try to do these things this way. And actually some of the, like, 
stuff that they did actually helped him with his research, oddly enough. Like, with the visualization of, like, going into a black hole and different things. Um, which I thought was... I don't know exactly how it helped him, but it's fascinating that, uh, like, a movie made in Hollywood could help a theoretical physicist, you know... Do- I actually don't get that at all. Uh, yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. I couldn't well, explain to you why that you is. You think the case. about it. Once you reach the bookshelf realm, and then if you like fly at a certain speed, and then go past the sun, and then it, I don't think any of this. <laughs> I think you could pull anything out of your hat and say, "Hey, this is science." At this point, <laughs> hey, but he tried really hard to convince people that it was science. Okay, <laughs> okay. that's all I'm saying. Yeah, so was the guy in the street corner with a scraggly beard in the yeah. cardboard sign. <laughs> so this movie does star Matthew McConaughey. Uh, from whose biggest films are Days and Confused, The Big Short, Fool's Gold, and Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, he plays Joseph Cooper, Anne Hathaway plays Dr. Amelia Brand. Uh, she's known for The Devil Wears Prada and The Dark Knight Rises. Jessica Chastain played Murph Cooper, uh, Joseph Cooper's daughter, in adult form. Um, she is in The Tree of Life, which I actually just watched. It's a That's a difficult movie to understand, but it's really good. Um, Zero Dark Thirty and Madagascar Three. She was. Uh, Madagascar, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. Bill Irwin uh, voiced Tarzan Case. He was in multiple Elmo's World films. Uh, Matt Damon, uh, famous for Goodwill Hunting, The Martian, and the Jason Bourne films, played Man. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, uh, famous for Dune, The French Dispatch, and Lady Bird, and being popular just for whatever reason. Uh, is young Tom Cooper and then old Tom Cooper is played by Casey Affleck Manchester by the Sea Goodwill Hunting Gone Baby Gone and finally we got Michael Caine who's famous for being in every Christopher Nolan movie and he played Professor John Brand so those are those are our players I think I might have forgot the grandpa he was played by some guy who is probably a pretty good actor but he wasn't as famous so I left him out that is a packed movie yeah and then like who are the guys who played the AIs think they were that's bill Irwin. he played bill, the AIs. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's the elmo world elmo's world guys i'm assuming he's mainly a voice actor did the, they didn't do any like uh crazy like uh stop motion capture for the robots did they that wouldn't make sense probably no, no so i don't know do you guys want to talk about the cg and stuff oh, we might as well just get that out of the way was it yeah. good was it so at first when i saw their kind of ai thing i was like man you know it's not really this is weird like what are they they're just they're just like like rectangles with with legs like what yeah like what is this and then the longer the mission went i'm like okay no this makes sense they're like versatile and they could do all these things and they're supercomputers and and just genuine bros throughout the entire film so I, yeah. I think it fit in well but the rest of the cgi like all the all the scenes with like the ships and stuff oh man i I geek out on that stuff. Like I, I love, I love spaceships and just you know sci-fi th- themes and tropes in general. So I, I think the CG was like really good. Was this your Star Wars? Was this my Star Wars? No. For back then, when people were watching it, you know, like it's it seeing the spaceships blew their mind visually. Hmm. Well, definitely not as good as Star Wars because Star Wars has like insane like ships but like this was mostly done from like a cockpit view and then occasionally you'd get like a, sh- a scene of a ship like when they're doing the the corkscrew land on the water planet most of that was done in the cockpit and then as soon as they land you could see the 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 ranger yeah. hit the water yeah but yeah i don't know i, I thought it was good what, what about you guys well for my phone it seemed like it was really good <laughs> yeah. but it would have been even cooler if it was 
done uh, or if i had seen it like on a bigger screen i think um but it definitely stood, i mean it's extremely unique what they were able to pull off with the like the cg elements and even i think uh that like they filmed in like iceland and like lots of different locations to try to get as authentic of, or real looking i believe the iceland was probably for the uh the the planet that mm-hmm. um was more was that man's planet? Yeah, but yeah. Anne, Anne Hathaway got hypothermia on that. Oh, yeah. Filming there, and Christopher Nolan, he she, she told Christopher Nolan, and Christopher Nolan goes, all right, let's start filming now. <laughs> <laughs> I have hypothermia. Let's, we better go. Yeah, that's a true story from the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, so, like you said, it is from a cockpit view, so you're seeing all these different characters go on different, in different places. I thought, <clears throat> you know, when, if I am going to compare it to Star Wars, like Star Wars has a lot of different planets that they go to and like different places, you know, they do go to tattooing in every movie, which is okay. But, uh, you know, I think this was cool because you got to see other planets and kind of like what it, like when you go to another planet, it's not just going to have the same, it's not going to be the same thing. You know, you're not just going to go there. Everybody speaks English and you can take your helmet off and breathe air, you know, like in every movie. <laughs> So I think it was cool to see that the different planets have different, you know, conditions and stuff like that. Maybe, I wouldn't say realistic, it's more realistic, I'd say it was more entertaining to see, like, the effects of the different planets. The ice planet was cool, and then I did enjoy the visual shots of space and the spaceships. Um, so I like the CG. I think it was good. Yeah. I mean, not, you know, it's $165 million, right? You said yeah. For the budget. They spent a lot of money on this. You know, it's not like <clears throat> every scene had CG, and I think that was good. Yeah. I think people have found that there's this like fine line of using CG and if you can meld the two worlds perfectly, um, you can get a pretty good movie. Because CG should be used more to authenticate or like do things that you can't do uh, without, but as much as you can using, you know, practical effects or or, uh, real locations generally benefits movies from what I've seen. And that seems to be the popular belief nowadays, now that we've been through the like, some of the awful CG movies of the early 2000s and late 2000s. Um, and even into today, I mean, there's still some, but not maybe as many as there used to be. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it just, it made the environment believable. Like when they're on the, like they ran into the frozen cr- the cloud and all that. I'm like, okay, yeah, I could get it. Like they're on a dud planet and they're they're coming to this realization. Like this is terrible. And there wasn't like any moment where it broke that immersion. I'm like, you know, it, it wasn't corny. It wasn't bad looking. Um, even the shots where they're like, I wanted to talk about like one of my favorite scenes was uh, uh, Cooper. Who's the who's the scientist guy? The older older dude who was like up in the. Who who spent longer? Yeah, uh, like aged twenty three years on the ship. Is that Romley or yeah. Doyle? Yeah. Uh, so he like aged. I'm sorry. So he he was like having like a kind of like an episode of like claustrophobia or whatever, and uh, so like Cooper gives him his rain rainforest like sounds in his earbuds, and then it just pans out while the rainforest is playing, and and they're like orbiting Saturn. I was like, this is one of the coolest scenes. Ben couldn't enjoy it because he's watching on a phone screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it was cool from what I could I, tell. I don't know. Just that type of stuff is is cool to me. And I think the just, I don't know, just the shots mixed in with the CG, it worked. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't cringe at all. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. It was not cringe. Uh, holds up to today. It's eight, it's eight years old, which is hard to believe. Like, that's like not that old, but it's old in like C- how CGI pans out and it still holds up for the most part. So that's definitely a good sign. Yeah. 
Um, so what I'm going to do is we're going to go through uh, each part of the movie uh, and we're going to just discuss based off of each each paragraph. And I pulled this straight from Wikipedia. So if you want to follow along, you can just look up Wikipedia on Interstellar. Uh, and all right, here we go. In 2067, crop blights and dust storms threaten humanity's survival. Cooper, a widowed engineer and former NASA pilot turned farmer, lives with his father-in-law, Donald, teen son, Tom, and 10-year-old daughter, Murph. After a dust storm, patterns inexplicably appear in... Uh, Murph's dust-covered floor. Murph believes a ghost created them, but Cooper deduces the patterns were made by gravity variations and represent geographic coordinates in binary code. Cooper follows the coordinates to a secret NASA, NASA facility headed by uh, Professor John Brand, who Cooper has a past relationship with. Wow, there's a lot here. Uh, how did he figure out that, like, that it was a little bit of a jump that he was just able to kind of figure out that it was binary code? But I feel like that's what people would jump to. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're a farmer. Yeah, you're like, well, that right there is binary. <laughs> I've seen well, that. Yeah, I, I just love like in the beginning scene, he's immediately committing a crime. Like they all hop in the pickup truck and they hijack it like an, an international drone. Oh yeah, yeah, that is great. I was like, what are they doing driving through this? Like, the the funniest thing for me is they're they're driving it on a trackpad. Like I've seen like flight similar simulator setups. They have like eighteen controls for like one one jet engine. And this dude's like, I got a trackpad. Yeah, yeah. They're it's literally it's just like a one laptop and he's just typing. <laughs> but it is twenty sixty seven, so technology has progressed, I suppose. 26 that's when the year takes yeah away. it is kind of hard to believe but i guess we're wow. supposed to think that some sort of disaster has occurred on earth and that uh people are now more it's like a sort of a dark ages-esque thing where there's not as much emphasis on technology and there's a lot more emphasis on agriculture because they need to just live yeah and they're like demilitarized like there's no military um like they're in a I guess for me, one of the cool things about the the intro is I don't think they spent a lot of time world building and they did it in a way that makes sense and is very organic. Like they didn't like explain the scenario like you're stupid. <laughs> there was no like opening in 2067, uh, the X such and so happened. Like they Yeah, just... there wasn't yellow text going down the screen with yeah. George Lucas in the background. Uh, but yeah, no, nice. I, I think they did it in like a really good way where they had kind of like those uh, survival intros like, the crops, the first that went was okra, and then it all got hard, and the winters were long, and <laughs> and then and then it like cuts to like them at a ball game. And, you should be an actor. And then the I should be an actor. Yeah, talent agents everywhere. Jared Barr's your man. Who's this off-brand uh, Ryan Gosling character? <laughs> that is kind of true. I do see the the Ryan Gosling. Yeah. That's that's a I I would love to be compared to Ryan Gosling. For the small percentage of you that do not know Jared, he does very much look like Ryan Gosling. And if you need a reference, go watch the Notebook. That's what Jared would look like <laughs> and act like. No, I'm, I'm not as cool. Uh, <laughs> You're cooler than. Go watch <laughs> Drive. That would be. What? I'm an American, so I guess that that puts me up a couple of points. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> going straight for the the British neck there in this movie, at least. But no, I so yeah, I, I appreciate the like. It's a believable apocalypse that they're in. Like they're not. They're not in this like, oh, there's space aliens coming from, <laughs> yeah, coming from Mars. We gotta shoot them with lasers. You know, it's like, yeah, food, food's running out. What do we do? Yeah, what are yeah. we gonna do? And it's not like it's because it's our fault. It's like it's they're just dying like genetically. They're like we can't get resources and nutrients into the soil, and like corn's dying, and 
and like it's a very believable scenario like we could see this we could see this happening i mean people talk about it today and they're like you know 10 years from now we'll be dead and like there's people like that but this is like this is like in one generation we're all going to die and suffocate and starve because earth is just depleted so which yeah. brings cooper to nasa which yeah actually so what did you guys think about kind of that the intro part oh it was i was i kept thinking as i was watching i was like when's this movie gonna take the turn to space because i was like i wanted this movie being like this is a space movie this is gonna be awesome and it like took him a while you're like okay he used to be a pilot um he, he's obviously interested in that sort of stuff but like where's the turn coming and then all of a sudden it happened and they do a good job setting him up his relationship with murph oh. which ends up being a huge part of the movie in that she at once he makes it to nasa uh she can't she can't forgive him for for picking what she views as picking nasa over her yeah he views it as giving her her and the rest of their family a chance at life um but they're coming at it from two different perspectives even though she is herself fascinated by a lot of the things that her dad is fascinated um and tom the son is more got the farming uh, the farming genes or whatever. He's got the low that. IQ. Yeah. Uh, I, I would pick NASA. That's just my take. Yeah. Uh, well, we all know you would pick NASA. <laughs> so I, there, there's just there's a few things I wanted to say in that. Just with the intro, is like I love, like I was and I was eating it up. Like I was never at the point where I'm like I just wanted to see the spaceships. I wanted to go. Like I was loving just kind of the building uh, of the relationship between Cooper and Merv. Because it's like, I don't know, for me it's a soft spot. Like, I love father-daughter, like, plots. They're done a lot in Hollywood, but only some, I think, like, really nail it and make it in, like, a realistic way, in, like, an honoring way that makes, like, the dad, like, an actual dad, you know, someone who's self-sacrificing and, you know, willing to give his life to save, like, his daughter and, like, his son and the future generations. Um, it's, like, it's what, you know, the archetype of a, a good father is what a good father would be. Um Usually in Hollywood, like the dad is the idiot and he's yeah. he's self-centered. And he's like Jerry from Rick and Morty. Or Darth Vader. <laughs> or or sometimes he's Darth Vader and just just genocidal maniac. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. But yeah, I think this one was cool because it, it reminds me a little bit of like my dad because I grew up with like country roots. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> like my dad is like kind of he resembles Cooper in a way, but more yeehaw unless like I'm a scientist. <laughs> 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 my dad wears a cowboy hat, so. I don't know. I, I just thought there was a lot of like things in there that re were really appealing to me as a person. And then um, I don't know. So when they uh, when they when they brought in kind of the dynamic between like okay, you have your up and coming daughter. She's bright and she's t taking after your footsteps. Um, and then he has to kind of lie to her about his mission um, with with NASA because he didn't want to like tell tell her that she's in, in danger and will die. So she wanted to leave that kind of a he he wanted to leave that a mystery to her, to protect her kind of in a way. Oh yeah. While he goes and fulfills his mission. Um, Would you do that? Uh, that's hard because I don't know. For me, I think like she's Merv was very like intelligent, and I think she could probably comprehend that comprehend that weight. Uh, for someone who's not really you know at that maturity level, I don't think uh, I would. But maybe he could have just at least said, "Hey, here's maybe he could have like." like inter injected it softly like hey um you kiddos are in some trouble uh, i'm gonna go fix that love you bye <laughs> instead of saying there's a point like, to i this. gotta go and disappear yeah. in the night uh 
But no, I wanted to talk about, like, did you guys find that intro a little awkward when, like, everything for me was perfect until he got up to the, hey, we sorry we tased you. Do you want to fly for us? Yeah, that was a strange transition where he's like, I want my daughter back. And then they were, like, pretending to be all, like, uh, you know, uptight and, like, not telling them who they were. And then all of a sudden they're like, actually, we're NASA. And this is somebody you know. This is a couple of people that you know. Uh professor brand and his daughter and now we actually want you this is all yeah this wasn't planned but it also we really prefer that you be the pilot they had this they had this refined plan for him they're like this is the ship you're going to drive and when i heard that i'm like what like they he just got there by mistake and you're like here's your ship i actually think they might he might have been lying about that like i thought maybe at the end when he reveals to murph he's like Oh, I was lying about that the whole time. Uh, your dad didn't have to go. Like, I think he said that on his deathbed later in the movie. Mm. So, Professor Brand, I don't know. The, that wasn't my favorite part of the movie. Like, Professor Brand was, like, a great guy the whole movie. And then when he dies, they're like, oh, actually, he was, like, never planning for Plan A to work. Which I'll briefly explain. Plan A involves them saving the people currently on Earth. Whereas Plan B involves planting, uh, like, Embryos. embryos onto another planet that they could survive on and then everyone on the current planet dying so one's like saving the species through saving who's currently alive and then one's like more of a reproductive method and everyone's still gonna die it doesn't really necessarily change anything other than the species gets to live on past uh which doesn't really change anything for anybody on the planet so you can see why that wouldn't really be a very popular uh plan to and why it was like a plan B, like last, last like m- chance um, method. Um, even though it was really Professor Brand's, Brand's plan A, I think is what they were trying to say. Yeah. Eh. No, I was gonna say, <clears throat> yeah, I. <clears throat> it's kind of weird that he kind of like they kind of say after he's dead, but it's it's cool though that it kind of it kind of was like a dead planet because I think if they found it right away, it, like obviously it all serves the plot. So I think it made the plot better. They could have found a better way to kind of deal with that. Just like they could have found a better way, like why he was the pilot. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was so awkward. Yeah, I agree with you. I didn't think of that before actually. So I, I think I agree with you on that. But yeah, they're, you know, those are, I feel like those are the minor aspects of the movie, though. I feel like the focus of the movie is on what the plot actually is. So then when the plot takes you, you don't notice those things unless you've seen it more than once, as Jared. So Eight times. Yeah, that's that's really good. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite movie. I'll just keep reminding you. <laughs> yeah. I don't... Yeah. I. This is definitely... It's up there for me on Nolan's movies. I haven't figured out where I would put it, like, on my overall, but it's a, re- a very good movie. I'll just... I'll say that off the bat. Uh, off the bat as we're in the middle of the episode so right at the beginning (laughs) i'm trying to set to figure out how to best describe the next aspects of the movie so they like go to jupiter go to jupiter to go through a wormhole there's a whole crew and then they end up in they're trying to find there's been some other people sent out to space uh who are conducting research and have been sending signals back through the wormhole and they are trying to figure out which one of them has found a planet that could sustain life. Uh, it's a good sign that they're sending that they're still alive and they're sending signals back. So they got that going for them. Uh, but where they are uh, in relation to the first planet that they see is right next to a giant black hole called Gargantua. 
and uh, they, in order to save time, they try to do this maneuver where they like slingshot around it somehow. And is that how they land on the planet? Yeah. So yeah. instead of like, yeah, they take a different path and then they like, just like boost into the planet and it saves like all their time, all their, like they use a little bit more fuel, but they end up saving time. And, and then you're talking about when they land on the water planet, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the water planet does not end up going well. They almost <laughs> die. They lose 23 years. And, uh, and, a, and a dude. And they also, they, somebody does Oh, yeah. Die. Like, immediately. Like, this dude just, like, hesitates for half a second and ends up costing him his life. Yeah, well, that's the that's the other guy who's not Romley. It's, uh, I forgot about him because he died. Uh, Doyle, <laughs> I think. So Doyle eats it on the first planet. Uh, they, they, yeah, they get out 23 years later. Um, so, so, uh. Romilly has had some time to study Gargantua, but he's also 23 years older, which has got to be a miserable 23 years of only studying that. And I'm assuming he might have slept at some point. Yeah, but. He, he said that eventually he gave up on the using the cryo sleep. So he he, uh, he came out of his hibernation. I think he was just going to live out his life and die. Um, yeah. Because he just lost hope that they're coming back. Right. Um, and so this doesn't really put them in the best situation and now they have to pick between two planets uh one planet it, both planets are promising but considering what happened on the last planet uh they're not sure uh one of the planets is uh dr what's her face brand's uh love, love interest <laughs> is on that planet so she dr. wants to go yeah. there not for it seems like the most promising one to her uh and they and the other <laughs> the other people, Romilly and uh, Cooper, uh, kind of elect for the other planet that Dr. Mann's on because they believe the research is more promising. So they end up going there, and here's where we have an interesting section Ugh. where we get to see uh, the fight for survival from from Mann. And, it, and it's more, I, I kind of like this part because everyone's, they're putting Brand through the the... I don't know the arithmetic here, and having her think out her her kind of position and her her kind of draw to that planet, and eventually she reveals that um, yes, there's a love interest, and that's why I want to go there. And then Cooper goes there anyway. Just kind of I don't know. I, I really like Brand and Cooper's kind of relationship in this because I think like Cooper really res- respects Brand. You see like subtle hints of that everywhere in in this movie throughout certain scenes. So he kind of like you know he goes all right. And then they go to Dr. Man's planet. And that's when they all, messed up. All heck breaks loose. Because he was lying the whole time. And, uh, and he actually tries to kill Cooper. Um, and he does this, he goes on this whole monologue. He, I love when people go on monologues in movies. It's like he has this whole philosophical argument. He was for waiting for this day. Just let him have his monologue. Come on. <laughs> he had a lot of time. He had a lot of time to rehearse the monologue. <laughs> Usually the villains are like waiting so long and planning meticulous. Like they they want to have it to happen. So let them have their monologues. I say. Well, I thought this one was interesting because I don't think he's necessarily like your traditional villain. Like he's not a bad guy. He's just desperate, and he's like trying to get back to to home he wants to go home he put out a stress signal saying hey this planet's amazing and like 
he's talking to them. He's like doing the tour, like over there, you know, there's, oh, I mean, there's chlorine in the air everywhere. Don't take off your helmet. But hey, for a couple of minutes, you're good. Like, don't worry about the chlorine. And he's like, he's just describing this. And all of them are like, uh, like, okay, yeah. And like, there's a shot where Brand is just smiling cheek to cheek. And like, she's, she's buying it. And like, eventually they find out, oh yeah, this guy's been lying and lying and lying. This planet's a dud. Like, it's so cold, their clouds are frozen. And he's trying to sell it to us that this is going to be our new home. <laughs> and then he, like, booby traps his AI, kills a dude because of that, and, and then steals one of the rangers to... Well, steals the ranger they came in on to get back to the... What do they call the um, the hub thing? Yeah. And it's, so they... It's a race back to the uh, ugh. the main hub of the, the spaceship. I'd still call him a villain. He was endangering so many... Like, he was ruining the whole plan of humanity. He killed people. He killed Romley. Yeah. yeah. So I think he was terrible. I would do it. He was but very I selfish. feel like he's terrible. <laughs> not saying that. Yeah, not saying that it would be not hard to be self or it would be hard. But, but he knew that they wouldn't come if he didn't send promising data. They just leave him there, which is sort of like that's kind of a bad thing too that they that they would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not necessarily like clear good guys or bad guys in this scenario. Yeah. Although Cooper, I think they portray them as being sort of like innocent in relation to knowing some of that information ahead of time. Yeah. Well, it makes it hard because it's like, okay, what if you get marooned on a desert planet that there's no hope of escaping on? Would you try to send a signal to get people to come? Because if you said like, you know, if, the, if he put out a distress signal and it's like, hey, don't come here. This is bad. No one's going to land there. And then he'll die alone. But if he puts a like, hey, it's green, come on in and... That's his plan ended up working, but what I didn't understand is why do you have to kill his friends? Was it like because because <laughs> they all could have like he could have just took you know one of the guys? I mean they already lost a guy like he could just take his seat like what's the big what's the big deal? <laughs> like they already probably have supplies for them like why do you have to kill people? <laughs> so, yeah. Did you guys did you guys understand that? Maybe it went over my head. I didn't know his motive for that. That's why yeah. I was wondering that. I mean I didn't really wonder as much as you. You he, think? He oh, like, like why do you have to kill? Yeah, he'd have been like, can I come with you and go to Edmund's planet to see what it's like? They would be so mad though. I think for him it's like a reaction thing. They would be like they would be mad at him for like lying. I guess. Yeah. But what so did he, he expect? Doesn't... He had to. He had to have thought this through. Yeah. He would. He should have been like. Oh, 30 minutes ago, it just became uninhabitable, uninhabitable. So can I take his place, you know? Well, you're right. It was kind of premeditated because he set up a trap already. And mm-hmm. then he just went to Carl's sleep and waited for his his bait to come in for, yeah. for people to take the bait. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't know. Man. Yeah, yeah, maybe, you know, thinking it out now, maybe he is a villain. <laughs> maybe he's scum. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think him knowing about the plan, though, because he knew about everything, right? Yeah. I mean, mo- like, so him knowing about this plan that they don't have a lot of time, you know, they got to get the mission done and him, you know, willing to interject on that plan for the fate of humanity so that he doesn't die. I think that's villainous or at least selfish. Yeah. At the very villainous. least. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is so, which, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. Of course he's selfish. Shellfish. Shellfish. <laughs> I think the thing that would have made him feel better though, is if he had had insurance of some kind. Wouldn't oh, you really? Think? Yeah. Like. Like, he needed some insurance on his buildings, some life insurance for his family. I know they'd be in good hands when he inevitably died, stranded on a lonely planet. Aww. And uh, I don't know. He could have sent a distress signal to Hedman Angle Agency. Uh, That's true. They have interstellar interceptors. Yeah. And so even if you're deep out in space, we encourage you to call 614-486-7300. That's 614-486-7300. And, uh, and 
They can help you with uh, actually. They don't necessarily offer life insurance, but they do offer a home and business and auto insurance, which are all very helpful things mm-hmm. um, and things that you want to keep protected. I mean, maybe in the future they'll offer spaceship ins- insurance when people have more spaceships, like when more people have spaceships, and it's not just like NASA owning them. I'm sure they have some sort of Elon insurance, space, Tesla spaceships. They have like uh, the the tax money insurance for their <laughs> for their endeavors. There'll be Twitter cars because Elon owns part of Twitter now. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of stuff in the future, so you need to get ahead of the times on, insurin- on, on insurance. So contact Hen and Anglin Agency. Yes. And get your card, claim your cardboard cutout. Of Zach and Ben. Yeah. Fully clothed, fully clean, everything good. Yeah. If you were hoping for more than that. <laughs> we could arrange that. <laughs> for the right amount of money. Just a little yeah. bit more money. You need to buy a full insurance plan for that. <laughs> <laughs> Joking, joking. Of course, of that. course. I'm not. Um, all right. So back to the movie. <laughs> so so that docking scene. Oh yeah. Where Fantastic. my favorite line and probably the whole I, I still quote this with my friends is like uh, he, they're like he's describing his plan to the AI and uh, he's like Cooper, that's impossible. He goes, no, it's necessary. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dude. And then he like doesn't he dock it while it's moving? Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. They just like start. They match the the speed and and rotation, and they they come in and they dock. And like watching that, my heart rate was just going up. I'm like, yeah, come on. That's one of the most intense scenes in the movie. Because the last guy who tried to dock ended up like exploding. So there's that. Right, because he improperly docked, and then they it like self destructed. Jettisoned him out the airlock. Yeah, and they were telling. They warned him. He didn't want to listen. They were warning him. Imagine being a doctor and that's stupid. That's true. Well, is man a doctor or is he just a brave spaceman? Doctor man. Oh, he is Doctor Man? Okay, never mind. PhD doctor though. Wikipedia didn't. (laughs) Not that that's less, I'm just saying that's what it is, yeah. Well, okay, yeah. He's no medical doctor, but That's true, yes. He's he's got a doctorate in like acting. Yeah. Matt Damon, yeah. Yeah, he does. He's, he's been in other space movies, The Martian. Oh. Um excellent. Maybe another space movie. I haven't seen The Martian. As you recommend it? Okay. He gave he gave it a we whatever got, this we signal is. We're going to have a discussion about space movies yes. later. I oh, Star Wars. <laughs> Although I was thinking like what other space movies have I watched besides this? Spaceballs? Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek? Have you seen any of those? No, I haven't. I, have, I haven't seen like I, Moon. Haven't? Uh, I know. I guess life. none of us have. That's so funny. Uh, Star Trek's for nerds. <laughs> This yeah, movie is not. You heard it here movie. first. Oh, there goes our one view. Like, <laughs> Trekkie. Dang it! I love Star Trek so much, and they just now they're they're hating on my favorite thing. I haven't seen Star us. Trek, but I like. I don't know. I feel like I'd still like Star Wars more. I don't know. Maybe I should watch it and see. You know, maybe I'm biased because I haven't seen it. If yes, they I had am. Star Trek TV shows with Oscar Isaac in them, maybe I'd watch it. Yeah. Well, yes. It's funny because everyone who watches Star Wars or everyone who watches Star Trek, they're like, it's like scientific and is backed by like all this stuff and it's believable. And then you have the Star, you have the Star Wars like paint huffers. They're like, he, he's got a lightsaber. <laughs> I mean, that's that's your two that's your two crowds. So I don't know. Maybe like Star Trek's for the the higher IQ people, and, and Star Wars. If you like Star Wars, you're a paint huffer. <laughs> All right. Now that no, we're you're right, I, I agree with you. I know that's. About it, I, know. I know that's uh, offensive, but I agree with you. <laughs> Full disclosure: I love Star Wars. Yeah, me too. Actually, we're all paint huffers. I'm the guy that says it's a lightsaber. It's a lightsaber. That's me. <laughs> Get him, Kylo Ren. <laughs> <He> li- <laughs> 
<laughs> Although when Ray kissed Kylo Ren, that was disgusting. I like that part of it. Well, I wouldn't Damn. say like, that sounds weird. Damn, I, they were like I, brother and sister. I saw that coming. No, they're not. No, they were basically like. No, it. they're not. Think about they could Leia. force talk to no, each no, other. No, no, I'm not thinking about that. I'm, there was I, so much tension in Episode Eight between them. I didn't sense it. Maybe I'm stupid because in this in the Last Jedi, Ben's favorite movie or whatever, I I thought it was like oh we love each other like a brother and sister and their dad was gonna be the same or something like they're gonna reveal it and then they kissed and revealed that she was spoiler palpatine's granddaughter so i don't know i wanted to throw up i had popcorn and i spit it so it was just right. kind of gross i mean this is what you do when you're from tatooine it's kind of like our alabama so <laughs> i'm not judging every, and every star wars thing has tatooine in it yeah and sure. incest <laughs> yes apparently yes <laughs> canon yes so okay. maybe I guess this huffers. does just confirm that Star Wars is for paint huffers. <laughs> so I guess I'm a paint huffer. <laughs> no, I, I will say that that was their relationship. The dynamic was the only good part about those Star Wars. I said what I said. Ky- Kylo Ren and, and Rey of was, the new one of the new one. That was the only good part. I think so. We could what about, about Mark Hamill? I, he was pretty awesome. He was okay. Not really. He's kind of complaining. I didn't like... I liked Whiny. I didn't like John Boyega at all. Okay, they just ruined his character. They could have done a perfectly good Stormtrooper redemptive arc they where could've. he goes back, saves others as Stormtroopers, but he's killing Stormtroopers in the next movie. I like that mechanic guy, the tiny dude, the tiny little alien guy. Oh, that guy, yeah. More than, more than Mark Hamill. I like Poe Dameron. Oscar. <laughs> they oh. didn't have him in the movie enough, though. Yeah, and then they, they tried didn't. to like do this love triangle thing that didn't work that well. I know. What is going on? Like, I don't I'm, know. I'm so glad. I know they just really movie. butchered this. They didn't have a plan. Christopher Nolan Star Wars movie. Yes. Or it, we just need to give Ryan Johnson his own trilogy and let him go at it. Man, he can make a good movie. He had his chance and it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, and it was not Star terrible. Wars. And yeah, for the rest of us. Well, just because he had yeah. a vision that people weren't ready for. That should have been the Last Jedi. But the last Star Wars movie. Yeah. Ryan Johnson, the last draw. That's what I would say. Anyway, yeah. If it, Sorry, I'm going to keep going back to it. If, if you made it Star Wars trilogy, like that would actually be absolutely... like It would probably fit together well, but it would be so disconnected. But I think it might be good like as a weird Christopher other Nolan? thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be good. It should but, not be part of the Skywalker saga. Yeah, it wouldn't feel like Star Wars. It would feel like Interstellar. <laughs> With aliens. It would feel like a combination of the Dark Knight and Interstellar. Yeah, he does superhero stuff. He could do Star Wars. I could see it. But the thing is, his superhero stuff was, like, very grounded in, like, crime movies and philosophical thought. Yeah, so what you do is you have a gray Jedi who's neither good or bad, and you have them go through their trip of morality. It was like uh, they made a game like it. You guys ever heard of the Force Unleashed game? Yeah, it's basically, I've heard it. it's Well, they've done this many times. I think Rogue One was kind of like this, where it was a bad guy who turned good. So it was literally like Vader's apprentice who became, like he started subtly seeing the good in life, and then he, he fully defected and became a good Jedi. So um, I think that would be like, you know, you could probably f- throw in some like philosophy, of, yeah, of some Nolan, Nolan, some Nolan North uh, philosophy in there, or Chris, Nolan, not Nolan North, Christopher Nolan. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting my Nolans mixed up. Um, I think Nolan North is like a voice actor or something. Yeah. Well, you know what Christopher Nolan is actually doing next is What's the that? most Christopher Nolan thing ever. He's making a movie about a physicist. Really? Yeah, it's called Oppenheimer. That's the next movie. Oh. I okay. think Cillian Murphy's starring in it. Okay. So that should be interesting. I, I believe the physicist has to do with the creation of the atomic bomb, Oppenheimer. 
does. Yeah, that. So is he going to do like a, like like a fictional biography? I have, I have no idea. I just know that's coming out. I think next year. Like a fictional biography movie, or what's it called? Like a revisionist history. Robert Downey Jr. is going to be in it too, and Florence Pugh, so, Emily Blunt, Rami Malek. Rami Malek. Yeah. So lots of, lots of stars. Gary Oldman. Ken, <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Uh, yeah, this is a good cast. Um, when does that come out? Next year, so 2023. Seriously? July 2023. Oh, we're going to review that. Yeah. That'll be maybe getting close to our 100th episode if we stay on schedule, which we will know will definitely happen. Yeah. Hmm. What yeah. did you guys think about the music score? Oh, <clears throat> I probably didn't get the full effect of it, but it was it was unique for sure. I thought it was, it made it made the scenes like when you're looking at something it made it seem immense or like big. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because it was like it wasn't just like a it was like a long drawn out violin like orchestra kind of yeah. It was it was it made it climactic and larger than made you feel like not that you were there but like I don't know just bigger. There was a scene. Oh, I remember what it was. It was when Merv was coming out and she was telling him. Uh, telling Dr. Brand what her father's like, like evil plan was, or her giant, his giant lie, and the music was like kind of chipper, and she's going through, and then it became slowly, yeah, like more somber and and like mad. You, you the, just the tension in the music really set that scene for me, and it was just, it was awesome. At first, I didn't like it. I thought it was kind of too, too like spacey. And then it like <laughs> it's too spacey it's for too this spacey. movie. <laughs> they're they're trying to convince me it's a space movie. I'm not sure. Uh, but then uh, and then it, it hit me, and it was a good fit. I think yeah. the score is amazing. Yeah, I, I think it was great. Yeah, like, I agree. A nine if we were to rate it. Yeah, Hans Zimmer is one of the best, and he also works with Nolan in like every movie, except you know, for Tenet. Christopher Nolan's let Hans Zimmer just go for it. He just let him do anything. He like wound him up and he let him go. Don't follow any rules, he told him. So in this movie, I'm looking at it right now. But yeah, and the ending, right? Are we at the ending? Yet? Yeah, we're we're about at. The, I wouldn't call it the ending, but it's like the ending is kind of probably like a whole hour of like just things that happen. I guess that are somewhat difficult to explain. Yeah, Ben, I want your take on this the most since you just watched this first um, reaction. So. Speculating that the Tesseract was constructed by future humans who can provide access to infinite time and space but cannot communicate through it, Cooper realizes he and Tars were brought there to relay information to Murph that is critical to humanity's survival. So, just to clarify, they have now gone into the Gargantua Gargantua because they realized that they don't really have any other choice, I believe. Um, Yeah, and then, oh, so the best part was, you know, uh, Dr. Brand was like, all right, Cooper, let's go. And, and Cooper's like, deuces. And again, like Cooper, just being a bro, sacrificed himself for Dr. Brand. And again. You, oh, right, because the whole idea was that they were using the... They were like... They, they had, they had, they've lost all... They're using their spacecraft, their landing craft, to project, to use the remaining fuel reserves. And then they're shedding mass to, to get Brand home. Right, or, they're propel- so they're not being sucked into Gargantua. Yeah, so that they could survive. And then Bran looks up, and Cooper's like deuces, and then he's gone. Yeah, and, so he uh, goes into the he go he goes into Gargantua with Tars. Yeah, and the best and line he's like, "Remember, ninety percent Bran," and then he's gone. <laughs> yeah, so and well. he's gone where no man has gone before, and he, he finds out this. Uh, this is definitely supported by scientific data. 
that in the future, humans will be able to access infinite space and time, but they cannot communicate through it. <laughs> and so they, he, he now, in a shocking reveal, is the one, who, he is Murph's ghost. He is the one. And it's kind of odd how he does it because he's like panicked, like when he's doing it. Yeah. Uh, like, like he's desperately like, trying to And then it's her. like, it almost feels like he doesn't remember being on the other side of it. Like oddly, like the you think that he would like collect himself and then be like, okay, what should I do? Oh, remember what what happened? I'm gonna be the one who does that. But instead, it's like he almost like comes up with it on the fly, and it just happens to be like the same thing. And then it seems like he sort of regrets some of the things that he said or how he left it with his daughter, or it's just sad for him to see it um, from like being able to see it but not do anything about it. Uh, and it's really odd how the it's like infinite bookshelves. Yeah. like that he can just see because I guess the future humans have like set up the place for him to go I think or is it just I have what is it what is it what I don't, do you think I don't know Ben you love them. ambiguity just tell me yeah. what it is <laughs> it's ambiguous alright dang it oh I wish I could explain it scientifically but I'm not that smart so yeah I'm just joking no Ben's very smart but what do you think What like Watching this movie, I know I'm getting a little ahead. I think the idea of it is very sad. So there's this song by Queen called 39, and it's about this thing. And it's, it came out in the 80s, or maybe the 70s. And it describes a guy going away on a spaceship and coming back, and it's like his daughter's all grown up. It's like 30 years before this movie came out. So you're saying this whole thing was based off of a Queen movie? Nice Queen. I don't think so. I think that the ideas have been out there for a while. I think it was new... I think you know, it's not really, you know, yeah. Einstein kind of talked about this yeah. a long the time ago. The theory of relativity and like space, the space time continuum and all of the ideas are, are not new necessarily. Yeah. Um, no, it's in the early 1900s, but the, the idea that of coming back, and I don't have a daughter. Jared does. I don't have a daughter, but uh, <laughs> he doesn't. I don't have a daughter. <laughs> None of us have daughters. One just no. to clarify. But it, I feel coming back and her, you know, just being an old lady. That would, that would be, so be so hard. Sad. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I think of Ant Man. And then her, hers, hers. Oh yeah. Because his daughter's old now. Not old lady, but like teenager. You know. She. He missed like five important years of her life yeah it wasn't like 25 to 30 it was probably like the five least seven, important years of seven to 14 or he whatever. missed the brat stage so i, <laughs> I actually feel good for him <laughs> but, but matthew mcconaughey missed the entire stage of her life you know her entire life almost but that's how remember you said that's not how i would leave it like if yeah. i were to be a good father he left it like that and he comes back like that that is sad yeah and for even for the guy studying on the ship and being 23 years right that's sad or however many years yeah it was 23 imagine imagine just coming back and missing an entire person's life and so was it worth it? it it had to have been worth it because she wouldn't have been alive if he didn't yeah that's true but at the same time like is he why did he have to be the one to sacrifice his own daughter for it yeah mm. so i uh all right um just just between the three of us since we're you know only ones here um nobody's listening did you guys get like teary-eyed at all yes you, what parts did it for you? Um, I'm trying to remember because the review I wrote on Letterboxd was just like, this made me tear up. Oh, but let's find it. <laughs> I can't let's remember actually what part it was, but I know I did. Yeah. Like it had something to do with him and his daughter. I think there was like two times for me where uh, he first sees Merv grown up, like him, his son and then, and then Merv 
comes in and she's like angry with him. And I was like, I think that part hurt. Yeah. It sucked to see that because you could understand because she, she grew thought, up without a dad. She thought that he knew that he like that he knew everything that and that he knew he wasn't coming back. Yeah, which is what she thought was going to happen. And she, the only thing that led her to make this video out of her bitter childhood into like she was like forty or something. Yeah, 40, yeah. 42, 47, where the age was that that Cooper left. She, the only thing that compelled her to do that was the promise he made his daughter made to her before he left is you know maybe by the time i'm you know i'll come back and we'll be the same age well she was that age and he wasn't back and that was her first recording to him yeah that's crazy and then you find out she's working for dr brand now and yeah research and it was a great i think kind of a good intro for that but i think that part was like oh that is brutal yeah she still doesn't see it from his perspective no Um, what about the other part? Which part? Where I know I was uh, uh, that about Michael Caine kind of having the idea of the black hole communication or whatever that was. What was it? What's his character? Uh, Professor Brand. Yeah. You mean the equation? Yeah. Like so, he was like he he had already solved the equation, and he was basically was he just lying to everyone for like forty years trying to solve it? Well, that's what I was wondering. But he it wasn't. I think there he was made something. he made some sort of assumption that was like made it impo- I forget I and then, he's smart though. and then she solved she actually solved it is that what we're supposed to believe and that oh man it's like I, uh, so much of the ending is like I feel like I would need to watch it like a bunch more times and watch like documentaries about the movie to like really even YouTube analyses yeah a grasp on like the mechanics of how they survived and how they're now like on these like what are they orbiting around Saturn Saturn yep on like are space, they like space uh, stations basically like space ecosystem type mm-hmm. things yeah that'd be cool um, uh-huh. oh I remember the second time the second time is when when Cooper comes back and actually meets Merv again. I think that's when I teared up she's like 90 something or yeah. 100 somewhere around yeah. there that's the part that, that and was sad her massive family just kind of quietly leaves and it's just the two of them I thought it would be so weird to meet your like grandpa and he'd be like your age or younger like that would just be bizarre. like it's like that's 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 the such future. a strange like that's Futurama right there. Oh yeah, yeah, it's Fry. Yeah, yeah Fry and Fonsworth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and and for the homeschoolers out there, that's an adult uh, adult show. You shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't watch that. Oh, we have also referenced Rick and Morty. You should not watch that either. Yeah. What uh, else have we referenced? Don't watch White Chicks. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't but, watch uh, No Country for Old Men <laughs> or uh, Dazed and Confused. <laughs> yeah, don't watch Dazed and Confused. That's a bad influence mm-hmm. right there. But the. Uh, the, so the the scene they, they tie like the final string all together right right there in that scene on the hospital bed where she's like you know Cooper's uh, how'd you know I was your ghost and or something like that or no he says that I was your ghost and uh, how did you know like I was coming back and she said because my dad promised me yeah and I was like but he didn't know that. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> he did make a false promise. I mean, he kind of did. But he made a promise. He got lucky, though. <laughs> <laughs> he was lying through his teeth. And, and by chance. He's by like, his... I planned that the whole Sometimes time. confidence uh, is key, I guess. But I think that, that one line and how it was delivered, it was just like, yes, that is that is awesome. You know, it, It's good that it worked out. Yeah. But, like, not kind of. But it's like, it's another, it's another thing again. It's like the sweet kind of trope between a father and daughter relationship. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and it was like at that moment, I was like, "Yes, there it is." 
I thought so. I think for me, the saddest part was different. I think the saddest part was when he had to go go away right away because he thought he was going to go back into her life, you know, stuff like that. He ends up leaving because he realizes that she doesn't need him anymore because she's moved on and has this new bigger family now, and that you know his role as a father is either no longer needed or has or it hasn't been needed for like how long has it? How many years has it been? I can't remember. At least two. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's been a lot of years. <laughs> At least two years. So, yeah, I, it, I thought that was pretty sad because, like, what is my role now? I don't know. And, and there's kind of one, one more of those touching things, too, is when he's transcribing the quantum data through <laughs> through a watch. <laughs> and uh, uh, Tars was like, Cooper, don't you think that's a bit of a stretch? Or he's like, uh, like... Cooper, it's just a child or something like that. And Cooper says, like, not any, she's not any child. He's like, he had this faith in his, like, 10-year-old daughter <laughs> that she could transcribe quantum data from, like, a like a, a watch. Yeah, I hated that. I'm not going to lie. Well, sorry, she does that as an adult, but, like, when he's knocking over books and stuff, he's he's still, like, relating the message to her and, and binary and all that stuff. and. Yeah, and she's smart enough that she's like trying to figure something out. She's like, but I think. it was it was just like I, again, it's like they keep putting these subtle like little feelers in there that make you just they just play your heartstrings, and it's mm-hmm. just I don't know. It's yeah. really really nice to see that in a movie. I think it was those kind of special moments that made this like higher up, yeah, on on my my movie list because it like it, it scratched every itch for me. Like it hit the home setting, it hit the space thing, it hit like the the challenge and sacrifice and like the hero. The like, Cooper's a hero, like. Immediately after he leaves his his dying daughter on, on her deathbed, he's going to go back and save Brand. Like he he does not stop. He does not sleep. <laughs> he is he is like he the leaves man. no no uh, loose ends. Yeah, he's gonna finish it off. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I think that's kind of what sets apart this movie compared to other Christopher Nolan movies for me at least. I don't. I'm not sure. I sent Zach a list of of my. Uh, my I've watched all of the Christopher Nolan movies aside from his first movie following which I still I still need to rent at some point but I'm assuming that one's not as good just because it's a, a lower budget um, probably was kind of a prove it film where it's like uh, here's me as an artist probably not as intense on the like plot and depth but I mean he has an eclectic group but like if you compare this to Tenet Tenet's fascinating from a uh even like the way the movie looks, the way the mechanics of the plot work, um, but the human element is sort of lost, mm. um, or it's a lot weaker than Interstellar. Like Interstellar, that's why that's your number nine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll just go through the list. I have to. Zach already has it pulled up. Yeah, I got it. So number one is obviously no. I'll go start from ten. Number ten is The Dark Knight Rises. Sucks. Just wait, joking. Wait, these are your like favorite. No, these are Nolan's. <laughs> Nolan's okay. movies okay. ranked. I don't yeah. know if you have you seen all of them. Hmm. Okay. So the Dark Knight Rise. Have you seen the Dark Knight trilogy? I've seen the Prestige, Dark Knight Rises. Okay. And uh, have you seen the Dark Knight? No. You should watch that. That's the best so. of the three. Wait, wait, hold on. Is that with uh, my father's a drinker? Is that that? Yeah. Joker. That, yeah. Heath Ledger. Yeah. And you like you want to see the magic trick? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That one. Yep. 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 That's okay. good. That's that, the one I've seen. That's that, the only one. Oh, you've seen. Okay. That. Okay. You haven't seen Dark Knight Rises then. So that's the Dark Knight. That's that's the one you should watch. Okay. <laughs> and Batman Begins is a good. Okay. Number ten, The Dark Knight Rises. Number nine, Tenet. Number eight, Insomnia. Insomnia. I haven't seen it. What's that one? Um. So this is the most traditional, like story-based Christopher Nolan movie. It's based on a like an uh, Swedish movie of the same name. 
Uh, and it has it's actually a pretty decent movie. It has Al Pacino and Robin Williams, and Robin Williams plays like and Michael Caine, kind of right? And Michael Caine, yeah. I love Robin so, so I would highly recommend it. It just it's a very good movie, and any other director, it would be like up there. But for Nolan, it's only number eight. Batman Begins is number seven, and then number six is Inception. It's like oh. half the world would be disappointed in you, Ben. No, no. The half film nerds would be proud of me. That movie's good, but it's not that yeah, good. Yeah, but half the world, that's their favorite movie. <laughs> Prestige, number five. Okay. And then four is The Dark Knight. Three is Dunkirk. Whoa. I That one moved up there for me. What? I love Dunkirk. I felt bad. That's number I three. this to you guys, but I fell asleep during that movie. It was so boring. No, it's good. Dunkirk so, is number three of your Christopher Nolan movie? I, at this moment right now. Could it change? Sure. It Maybe it was a, I'll oh, say wow. one thing. The visuals were amazing, but they I was played with, falling asleep. They played with time <laughs> so exceptionally well in that movie. Yeah. But he always plays well with I time. I like 1917 way better than Dunkirk. Uh, is that the one where it's shot just one continue? Yeah. I still, like, I have buddies tell me about that. That movie, you would love that movie because yeah. you're the type of guy that would. What does that mean? It's lightsaber. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <Lightsaber>. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, you would love like you're that type of guy. I'm that type you of guy. You fit that. You you fit that. Yeah. Okay. Like it, it's it's art it's artistic, but it's also a good war movie. Good, yeah, kind of good morals. I don't know. Yeah, a little plot light, but yeah. it has to be because it's shot in one take. Yeah, and it's like interesting. It keeps you on the edge. Well, it's of not your actually shot in seat. one take, but looks it, like it is. It goes past a couple things, but like lots of the shots are like equally like yeah. 15, 20 minutes long. Yeah, they're very long. I will see it. Number two, Interstellar. What we just watched. Let's bump that up to number one, guys. But what is and number one? <clears throat> number one, I can't remember. Memento. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that. That's Memento my, is still my favorite. It's my buddy's favorite movie. Um, it's. I, I still feel like from the human side of things, Interstellar probably has more compelling characters and is like a lot more complex and probably breaks more ground. But Memento, like, is where it all started for Nolan, and the the way that he does the plot in the movie is. I, it's just where he, he cuts back and forth and it's like a giant U. Uh, it's just unlike anything you'll ever see. I probably should watch it again, though, because I'm not, I haven't seen it in a while to, just to see if it still holds up. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's a good list, except for I put Dunkirk lower and in Inception a Inception little bit higher. higher yeah. yeah. I, 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 could, I could be okay with that. I yeah. still, I'd probably keep The Dark Knight at 7, though. That's The Dark Knight at 7? Like, Is you, that what it was? Would you say Batman Begins? No, you the put Dark the Knight. no, you put the Dark Knight as four. My bad. The Batman Begins is at seven. I would switch those two. You would switch those two. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't seen the Prestige or Insomnia, so I don't know. So, the Prestige is good. Okay, it's excellent. Okay, but it's probably coolest on first watch. I would say. Yeah, because okay. because so there's well, yeah, I, I can't talk about it. Yeah, there's a there's a big reveal, and if you see it the second time, you're like you're constantly thinking about it, so mm. you, you got to come in there kind of. It's like an M. Night Shyamalan movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, twist. it bites best on the first okay. uh, time. I just made up that that phrase. <laughs> like, I don't know. Bites, bites best. best. <laughs> <laughs> bites best. Yeah. Um, what, uh, it, so, obviously, this is your favorite Christopher Nolan movie, did, uh, Jared. Yes. Because it's your favorite movie. Well, yeah, it's my favorite movie of all time. And... I, I'm a guy who like I'm pretty indecisive with a lot of that stuff. Like I I love like it's it's either a, a hit or a mess with me. It's, it's it's binary. It's either good or bad. Okay. But for, so for me to say that this is the best out of all the good things I've watched is 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 a giant praise. I guess. Good. 
It's your favorite, though. It's my favorite. Yeah. I, that, I think at some point you just have to decide what your favorite is because if you try to spend so much time, I've tried to figure out what the best is, and it's this impossible. There's too many good things, and there's too many different reasons why movies are good. Like, like uh, it's hard to compare this movie. Actually, a very comparable movie to this movie, if you haven't seen it, I, it's not comparable in certain ways, but in other ways it is. Is Arrival. Oh, oh, yeah, I've okay. seen that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. It's one of those things where I'm just like, at the end, I'm like, this makes zero sense. I like Arrival better than Interstellar. Than this? Yeah. No, Ben. Ben, move that in Dunkirk. Come on. Well, uh, thanks <laughs> just because I for- think Arrival <laughs> Arrival just was more, uh, it, it put me in more awe. I'm closing the ball and going home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry that I have to say something controversial at the, at the, near the end of the episode. <laughs> Um, but, well, that could change, though. My opinion could change yeah, over time. Yeah, watch it on the it big will. screen, and then you'll be like, oh, I was wrong. Yeah, I guess I just need to watch it. The whole lesson from this movie is don't watch it on your phone. I think also, like, objectively, I don't think I know of any other movie or series I spent over, like, 23 hours watching Yeah. than Interstellar. I probably haven't spent 23 hours on a single thing, other than maybe finding Nemo. Yeah. When I was a kid. Or whatever's on in the car, like, if there's a car TV. Oh, yeah. So... Like SpongeBob, <laughs> I've seen some of those I've episodes. Seen, I've probably seen Cars a lot. Yeah, seen a lot of The Simpsons. So, yeah, I guess twenty-three hours for a movie though is pretty impressive. I will say. Yeah, just over time. Yeah. You know, since it came out in like twenty fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. Did you actually see it in theaters? Yeah. That's yeah. Yep. I would have been a little a little young. I probably didn't even know who Christopher Nolan was in twenty fourteen. You probably that. didn't even know like, who well, you were, Ben. Not really. Yeah. I'm a millennial in the in a room of Gen Z right now. Yeah, Gen I, Zach. I wasn't a cinephile until age 16 or 17, probably. Technically, I think I'm Gen Z because I was born in '97. Ah, oh. that's debatable though. People it, it always is. debate that, dude. So, okay, hear me out. Okay, You're born before the turn of the millennia. You're a millennial. That's what I thought. Okay, but people claim that it's 1996 or 1997. Those people can go like. Have a nice day. They can go into a, a black hole somewhere. <laughs> Those people are <laughs> yeah, they can go into gargantua. <laughs> they can go rot in a, in studying a black hole for twenty three years. Yeah, that would be terrible. They could, they could grow old and think about their life choices. That's the real hero of the movie. The guy who had to wait. <laughs> really? And then die. He's the one who suffers the most. Who? The oh, guy with yeah. the study. I forget his name. Bromley. Yeah, yeah that, that's be the worst. Like Matthew McConaughey misses out on his daughter's life, but he doesn't die. Okay. As far as we know. Yeah, Romley lives that long and then just dies after. Yeah, it too. yeah, yeah. Stink and stab in the back too. What a jerk. Yeah, yeah. Do you know who was? Do you know who was uh, tap originally tapped to direct this film? Oh wait, let me guess. Steven Spielberg. Yes. Can uh, you imagine how awful it would have been if Steven Spielberg directed this what? movie? Come on. No, man. okay. It would have been a way. The Jurassic movie. Park dinosaurs all over the ice planet. I'll be okay with that. Steven Spielberg directing this movie? I feel like there would be a huge miss in terms. Of, like it just wouldn't. Wait. So the script wasn't Nolan's. Well, it was Jonathan Jonathan Nolan's originally, and he wanted to get nice. He, he was gonna have Spielberg do it, and then oh, maybe I don't know. Honestly, it might have been. Uh, I I don't know. I'm assuming maybe there's an original script somewhere that was written by somebody else, hmm. and then Nolan, Jonathan Nolan picked it up, and then Jonathan Nolan was like, "Hey, why don't we have my brother Chris over here? Why don't we have him direct it?" It's like, oh no, duh! Like he just got finished doing Inception, you know, yeah. and The Dark Knight Rises, and The Dark Knight like. Of course, they're gonna have him do it. Yeah, um, I, I'm hoping this new one's good though, because Tenet was good, but you know it wasn't like a breakthrough movie like these ones. And just because I want to sound smart, Nolan was heavily influenced by famous Russian director Andrei Tarkovsky. 
Oh uh, yeah, you the movies uh, Solaris and Mirror, mm. uh, which I haven't seen, but I have seen one Tarkovsky movie called Ivan's Childhood. Mm-hmm. It's about World War II from Russia's perspective. Mm. He was not. He was very anti-USSR, so don't worry. He was not. He was. Don't kicked, worry. Guys. He was kicked out of the country for making films that were <laughs> for those of you worried. too edgy for the USSR. <laughs> for those of you worried right now, <laughs> <laughs> you were getting a little worried. Ben with the the pro-Russian director comments. Yeah. <laughs> I was it's like, like no. scooting my chair away yeah. from Ben for a second, <laughs> but we're okay. I'm, I'm coming back. Oh man! So Zach, you say that Romilly's like the best character. I have a critique for this for this movie. I had two critiques. Go ahead. One, the intro didn't make any sense with with the NASA scene, mm-hmm. and like you know, knock knock, you're our pilot. Sorry, we taste <laughs> you, bro. Uh, two is Anne Hathaway's character, Doctor Brand. Blech. What was her point? Yeah, other than to just what be she there do? and like screw up a mission and get a guy killed. What was like, what? that was her point for plot? Just killing, getting. Rid yeah, of it's her. like if they wanted to have a good uh, representation. I don't know. They just didn't. Sorry, Doyle. I killed you. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go. They could have made it more well balanced. They could have had uh, Cooper make more mistakes. No, what it, Cooper's what, flawless. He'll never make a mistake. What is the That's test? The problem, like, what is the test that a movie goes through to oh, see if there's women? Oh, and enough uh, women in it. Wait, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, is it like the Bechdel? The Bechdel test. Yeah. So okay. that's a test to see like if there's enough women. Does in that? Movie. Does it fe- feature at least two women who talk each uh, to each other? About something other than a man. Um, does it? Does the movie at all? You mean? Yeah. Uh, like once at all. So I mean, that's still kind of a low test, I'd say. Technically, Tars isn't necessarily like a woman or a, a man or a woman, so that counts. Yeah. <laughs> Brand talked to Tars. There's that. Yeah, I'm not sure that this would pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. That's funny. I this, mean, I don't care about the vector. This test, may but... not be woman friendly. Yeah. Was, was she like not like a botanist, but was she like the I think she's the person responsible for like the surrogate children or whatever. Oh, yeah, she, probably. But uh, she wanted Plan B to work. She maybe, was all okay. on. I guess she did succeed in her plan because she landed on Edmund's planet, and it ended up becoming you know it was life sustaining, and she fulfilled her mission there. But uh, yeah, I just couldn't find. Like, don't get me wrong. As as an actress, she's great. She played a great role. I think the character just could have been better. Like the writing. Yeah, definitely. Like they're actually. This is a critique of Christopher Nolan in general. Oh. And across his films is that he can't write women very well. Really, I don't. Yeah, know. that's something that I just thought of now. I've definitely heard that, and he, they're probably right. He doesn't really write very many interesting female characters because I'm trying to think of like a movie where he has like somebody who's interesting who's a female. And like, can you even think of one? Like, no, <laughs> I can't think. of Tenet, nope. No, uh, yeah. Dunkirk, nope. There's not. Is there even any women in Dunkirk? Is like, there even any women in Inception? Yeah, in yeah. Prestige, Inception, like, maybe, kinda. That one know. character's. The crazy. I can't remember her name. I can't remember. Her was name. it was that one chick, right? The uh, um, <laughs> the one who like throws herself off the building. No, I don't remember actually. I don't remember her name. Like, do you know? Was she a famous actress? That I would know. No. Oh. I I I don't actually know. Uh, I would have to look at the. Well, then I guess that confirms it then because if I, can't I feel like if we any. can't think of uh, if we can't, th- I mean, Marianne Cotillard was in it. She's in Inglorious Bastards. I'm sure she's much better in Inglorious Bastards than she is in Inception. Mm. So yes, no one can't direct women. For the homeschoolers out there, a bastard <laughs> is a illegitimate child. <laughs> that way you don't have to look it up on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> Jerry makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we have a f- ratings and final thoughts for this movie? I'll go first because it'll be the least significant. Um... 
Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> it was good. Uh, you know, it's not my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. If I were to give my favorite, it would be probably... You know, I hate to say it, but Inception. I think I like Inception a little bit more than this. I also think that Batman Begins is good, but I think I like this more than Batman Begins. Um, but not as much as Dunkirk. No. <laughs> <laughs> not as much as Dunkirk. I'm just joking. But the, yeah... This movie, like we said, was visually satisfying. It had a good score. It had lots and lots of cool characters. Some of the things that we brought up made, did not make sense, but I just realized that. So watching it for a couple times, I didn't realize that. So if it got past me, whatever. Um, and I think the plot itself <clears throat> stands out as very interesting and you know very different than the other movies that I see to the point where I am on the edge of my seat. So that is my take. I give it an 8.7 out of 10. Very nice. Yeah. For me, I, as I said, like this is my favorite movie. I think there's, yeah, interesting characters. Just everything about it was, was cool to me. Solid 9.5 out of 10. So your favorite, you don't have a 10 at all. Nope. Uh, I think if they, if they spent more time, because I don't know, for me, I think so. You wouldn't say it's object if you were trying to scale it objectively. You wouldn't say it's what a this is missing is a hot alien babe, and and Cooper's got to like you know introduce himself as a gentleman, and, and they hit it off. There's got to be a love interest for it to be a ten for me. Okay, okay, okay that's, that's interesting. That's but, fair. So if there's if there's a sci-fi movie like a space western that has high alien babe and and hits all the like you know like like relationship like family guy like danger you know there's a villain character if it hits all these things and is beautiful that's going to be my 10 movie until it's made then you're going to wait okay. my, my i'm going to start writing the screenplay right now <laughs> that's fair it's going to be called I, Hot I, alien babe it does make sense that you'd like all the the you know the relationship aspect not saying anything i'm not deriving anything from that i'm just saying it makes sense well for although i like the opposite not because I don't like relationships. I just think a lot of times people ha force it in there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So for the gamers out there, Mass Effect is is that what I'm describing? Is you have this Commander Shepard who's a hero and he does the right thing, and maybe he's got some flaws, or maybe there's certain things about him that aren't that great. Uh, but like it's got you know you got your romance, you got your villains, you got your your amazing plot, you got your amazing visuals, and like this game came out in like, I don't know, like 2008, and it, it like blew up, it just got so many awards just because of all this all this stuff, it's very cinematic. Um, gameplay, gameplay wise, it's not really fun, but that's not really why I play it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, so, so that for me, again, like growing up with that type of stuff, really like Star Wars and like all these things like made me realize like space stuff is probably my thing. So if you're gonna put like a space like sci-fi thing in there, I'm gonna love it. Good. Um, but yeah, what about you, Stanhope? Um, how should I summarize my thoughts? Uh, it's a film unlike any other, uh, except for other Christopher Nolan movies. Can draw a lot of comparisons within uh, his other movies, but like in terms of like I was expecting it to awe me and to sh like uh, shock me with how it uh, uh -oh. did the plot. And things, and it did. It was, oh, it was, uh, <laughs> and, and that was the thing. When I have high expectations of a movie and it lives up to my expectations, I'm very satisfied. Um, I think I gave this a nine out of ten on Letterboxd. Um, so uh, it probably could be a nine point seven, but yeah, not, not nine and a half. To and you're nine. trying to be more harsh these days, right? Yeah, I'm trying. Well, it's just as I watch more movies, um, like the movies I used to think were good get worse because I watch better movies. 
Um, but that's just how. That's why the B movie had three stars. Yeah, <laughs> that one. The B movie. <laughs> I, th- I know the entire like script, <laughs> just because of the meme. Every time they say B, it gets ten times faster. <laughs> it's like a two-minute YouTube clip. It's like. <laughs> oh, Jerry Seinfeld's. Every time there's a B pun, <laughs> there's so many B puns. Oh my goodness. Every time someone blinks, that was one Zach, of them. Zach wasn't even there for that episode. <laughs> no, but I love the memes. That was episode four or five, I believe. Where was I? Yeah, I don't know. You, me and David did it. Yeah. There's a video on YouTube floating around. It's like, it, they do the same thing with Shrek videos. Yeah. Dude, I, Shrek is a soft spot for me. If someone, so good. If someone sends me a Shrek meme, I'm already like laughing. I don't care where I'm at. I He's on the floor like Ice JJ Fish. Yeah, I could be at a funeral. Someone sends me a Shrek meme. Phone goes off my pocket. I'm going to bust up. Like, it's just... <laughs> I'm sorry, Grandma. I'm sorry, Grandma. Oh, no. Um, Shrek memes first. Grandma second. <laughs> <laughs> it was like every time Shrek is on the scene, it gets faster. What are you doing in my swamp? <laughs> yeah. There was one where it was like a 10-hour clip of him just farting in the mud. And I, it was the <laughs> stupidest thing I ever saw. Someone sent it to me. I was like, don't don't you know my personality? Like, I, I, I liked it. Like, it, it was yeah. against... You know. Watched it five times, saved it in my my uh, my search history, but yeah, <laughs> made a bookmark. <laughs> all right, have, have you seen Have you seen Shrek, Ben? Yes, I have. Okay, good. good. Have you seen all four? Uh, no. Oh, they're doing a reboot. There's four Shreks. Yeah, Shrek Forever After. What? Jared. I'm being dead serious. Yeah, so there's Shrek Three where the king dies, right? Yeah. Then there's Shrek Forever After with Rumpelstiltskin. No. Jared. I've never seen that. Jared. Well, I, I have Mandela to go, guys. Effect. I have to go right now. No, you actually have to watch it. I think it's good. It's weird. It's like a, it's more dramatic Shrek, where Shrek has, like, it's more like it's been this, dramatic since the first one. No, but it's like more dramatic. The first one was basically just a parody of Disney movies, mm-hmm. though. They were trying to like they were trying to riff on the fairy tales. Yeah, it was a very cynical kids movie. Now in the fourth Shrek, it it gets into the details of Fiona and his marriage, and they're testing their marriage and stuff like that. It's good. I think it's good. Well, I know what I'm doing when I go home. <laughs> no, it's I. Go watch, and if you've learned anything from this episode, go watch Shrek Forever After. Shrek Two is good, guys. Let me tell you right now, this is my first time on the Movie Vault. Listeners, listen up. This is what you can expect. We we talk about the depth of a father daughter relationship, <laughs> and immediately after we we talk about just farting in the mud with Shrek. <laughs> so listen, we cover a wide range of topics, and Amen, yeah, and we, and we cover them all with equal significance and importance. <laughs> So uh, make sure you stay like strapped in. Keeps your arms, arms and feet in the vehicle at all times. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're or let them out. Well, they'll die. We're we're a little loose. <laughs> yeah. Don't see that. Uh, but we Stick hope you your guys head out the it. window. All right, and on that note, I think that's what better way to close up the vault than that. What are you doing? <laughs> Do you want to close the vault? You yeah. can make any audible noise. Has to be audible though. <laughs> Uh, we never had that one. He said any. 